0: Welcome to Conference Coverage, presented by ReachMD on XM Radio and powered by Health Day, featuring the latest research findings presented at this year's annual meeting of the American Academy of Neurology, held from April 9th to the 16th, 2011, in Honolulu. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz.
1: And I'm Sue Berg. This year's meeting attracted approximately 10,000 participants from around the world. The conference highlighted recent advances in diagnosis, management, and treatment of neurological disorders.
0: Findings were presented on the prevalence of brain and nervous system disorders in Iraqi refugees. The information was compiled from a database of Iraqi refugees to Jordan, maintained by the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. Researchers at Johns Hopkins University who studied the database found that 17% 17% of the 7,600 refugees receiving United Nations health and humanitarian assistance were diagnosed with a neurological disorder. The most common diagnoses were back pain, headache, and epilepsy. Other diagnoses in the top 10 were infantile cerebral palsy, cerebrovascular disease, and dizziness. One in 10 Iraqi refugees in this diagnostic category was disabled. Also, a greater number of refugees diagnosed with neurological disorders self-reported a history of torture compared to those refugees who did not have neurologic disease. Dr. Farah J. Mateen of Johns Hopkins said that, Prior to this study, the understanding of the range and burden of neurological disorders in a setting of humanitarian assistance was limited to mortality surveys and case studies. This is the first glimpse into neurologic disease from a large group of predominantly urban refugees in a country of first asylum. The study highlights a need for neurologic health services health education, and long-term disease management for refugees from war-torn countries. A novel drug, perampanel, was
1: found to significantly reduce seizures in individuals with difficult-to-control epilepsy. Dr. Jacqueline French of New York University and colleagues randomized 387 individuals in the U.S. and Latin America with uncontrolled epilepsy who were already taking one to three other anti-seizure drugs, to receive either 8 or 12 milligrams of perampanel or placebo. The study drugs were administered once daily for 19 weeks, in addition to the patient's regular medications. Those who received 12 milligrams of perampanel experienced a 14% reduction in seizures in a 28-day period compared to those who took placebo. Likewise, those who took the lower dose of 8 milligrams of the drug experienced a nearly 6% reduction in seizures. Investigators said the side effects were similar to other currently available drugs, including sleepiness, fatigue, and dizziness. However, it was pointed out that clinical practice dosing is different than study dosing. For example, in clinical practice, physicians don't have to titrate to a predefined dose, as was the case in the study. Therefore, the side effects may be more manageable. The next step for Perampanel is to finish the analysis of the last trial and submit the drug for approval to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Investigators hope to see it approved within one year as a new option for patients with difficult-to-control epilepsy. The study was supported by ESI Incorporated.
0: Inability to detect lies may be predictive of early dementia, according to researchers at the University of California in San Francisco. Researchers asked a group of adults with cognitive disorders, including Alzheimer's, frontotemporal dementia, and progressive nonfluent aphasia, alongside healthy older controls, to answer yes-or-no questions about videos depicting actors speaking at times truthfully and at others insincerely. Scores were correlated with brain mapping using MRI, which helped link atrophy in particular regions of the brain with inabilities to detect insincere speech. Investigators found that patients who had frontotemporal dementia were less able to discern among lies, sarcasm, and fact, while healthy older controls could easily distinguish between sincere and insincere speech. However, patients with other forms of dementia, such as Alzheimer's disease, fared better on these tests. Investigators said patients who exhibit strange behavior and also stop understanding things like sarcasm and lies should see a specialist who can make sure these behaviors are not early warning signs of a cognitive disease. An immunomodulator, laquinimod, reduces
1: multiple sclerosis activity. This was the finding of the Allegro trial conducted by researchers in Milan, Italy. They randomized 1,106 patients with relapsing-remitting MS in 24 countries. The patients received either a once-daily 0.6 milligram oral dose of liquinomod or a matching placebo for two years. Eighty percent of individuals who received liquinomod and 77 percent of those who took placebo completed the two-year study. Researchers found that compared to patients who received placebo, individuals treated with liquinomod experienced a significantly lower annual relapse rate, a 23 percent reduction. Treatment with liquinamide was also associated with a 36% reduction in disability progression and a 33% reduction in the progression of brain atrophy. Adverse events were similar between the two groups. In a statement, investigators said these results confirmed that laquinamod has a significant impact on progression of disability and disease activity while maintaining a high safety profile. This may be attributed to the novel mechanism of action of the drug – which address both acute inflammatory activity and accumulation of irreversible tissue damage. The authors add this may point to a substantial future role for laquinomod in the treatment of MS. The study was supported by
0: Teva Pharmaceuticals, which manufactures laquinomide. Low-intensity treadmill walking appears to improve mobility among patients with Parkinson's disease. For this study... Researchers at the University of Maryland School of Medicine randomized 67 individuals with Parkinson's disease who had problems walking to one of three types of exercise, high-intensity treadmill walking at greater speed for a short duration, low-intensity treadmill at lower speed for a longer duration, or a separate regimen of stretching and resistance exercises. Low-intensity treadmill walking was found to result in the most consistent improvements in gait and mobility. However, Only the stretching and resistance training regimen improved ratings on the Parkinson's disease scale. In other related news, an investigational drug, safinamide, seems to reduce dyskinesia in patients with mid- to late-stage Parkinson's disease. That was the finding of researchers at Neuron Pharmaceuticals in Bresso, Italy. 669 patients with mid- to late-stage Parkinson's disease who were already taking the dopaminergic treatment levodopa were randomized to 50 or 100 mg of safinamide per day versus a placebo. In a post-hoc analysis after two years, the investigators found that, compared with placebo, safinamide at 100 mg per day, in addition to levodopa, reduced dyskinesia by 24% among participants who had severe dyskinesia at the beginning of the study. There were no significant improvements for patients on the 50 mg dose, and no significant differences in movement control scores in the overall population. Adverse events were similar among the three groups.
1: Inaccuracies in clinical diagnoses of dementia are common, according to researchers at the Pacific Health Research Institute in Honolulu. Investigators studied whether diagnoses of dementia made during life corresponded with expected brain lesions at autopsy in 426 cases, including 211 individuals recognized as demented or definitely impaired during life. They found about one-half of clinical diagnoses made during life were partly or completely non-concordant with attribution based on neuropathological findings. Diagnoses of Alzheimer's disease were relatively accurate only when considered probable and pure. Clinical diagnoses of Lewy body dementia and vascular dementia were most often accurate. Investigators said the inaccuracies increased with advancing age and were mostly attributable to non-recognition of mixed lesions and to nonspecificity of clinical manifestations.
0: Researchers in Luxembourg, Germany, and their colleagues found that senior citizens who speak more than two languages appear to have a lower risk of developing cognitive impairment. They evaluated 230 men and women with an average age of 73 who could speak two to seven languages. 44 of the 230 subjects had cognitive problems. The investigators found that those who spoke four or more languages were five times less likely to develop cognitive problems compared to seniors who only spoke two languages. Comparatively, individuals who spoke three languages were still three times less likely to have cognitive problems than bilinguals. Investigators said further studies are needed to confirm these findings and determine whether the protection is limited to thinking skills related to language or if it also benefits other areas of cognition. For middle-aged individuals,
1: high blood pressure and high cholesterol are known risk factors for cardiovascular disease, but they may also be risk factors for early cognitive and memory problems. That finding was from researchers in Paris, who evaluated over 34,000 men and 1,300 women, aged 55 on average, from the Whitehall II trial, a longitudinal British cohort study. Participants underwent cognitive tests three times over a 10-year period, including tests measuring reasoning, memory, fluency, and vocabulary. 10-year risk of a cardiovascular event was predicted using the Framingham General Cardiovascular Risk Profile, which includes factors such as cholesterol, blood pressure, smoking status, and diabetes status. Investigators found those with higher cardiovascular risk were more likely to have lower cognitive function and a faster rate of overall cognitive decline compared to individuals with the lowest risk of cardiovascular disease. Specifically, a 10% higher cardiovascular risk was associated with poorer cognitive test scores in all areas except fluency for women and reasoning for men. In addition, higher cardiovascular risk was associated with a 10-year faster rate of overall cognitive decline. Investigators said these findings contribute to mounting evidence that heart disease risk factors in middle age contribute to cognitive and memory problems, including cognitive decline over a 10-year
0: period. Prior use of amphetamines appears to be associated with an increased risk of Parkinson's disease later in life. This is according to researchers at Kaiser Permanente Northern California. They evaluated more than 66,000 individuals who had participated in the multiphasic health checkup cohort exam between 1964 and 1973. About 1,150 of these individuals developed Parkinson's disease. Participants were asked whether they had used drugs for weight loss and whether they had specifically used the amphetamines Benzedrine or Dexedrine often. The investigators found those who reported taking weight loss medication did not have an increased risk of Parkinson's. However, the use of Benzedrine or Dexedrine did appear to put individuals at increased risk. Investigators said this prospective data should be confirmed and, if true, would need to be incorporated into amphetamine abuse programs, as well as clinical judgments in the use of amphetamines.
1: In a study looking at the health benefits of berries, men and women who regularly consume anthocyanins, a subclass of flavonoids mainly obtained from berries, appear to have a lower risk of developing Parkinson's disease. This is the first study in humans to examine associations between flavonoids and risk of Parkinson's disease. Researchers at Harvard School of Public Health examined flavonoid consumption levels reported by nearly 50,000 men in the Health Professional Follow-Up Study and 80,000 women from the Nurses' Health Study. During 22 years of follow-up among men, the top 20 percent who ate the most flavonoids were approximately 40% less likely to develop Parkinson's disease compared to the bottom 20% of men who consumed the least amount of flavonoids. Among women, the investigators found no association between overall flavonoid consumption and developing Parkinson's disease. However, regular consumption of anthocyanins in particular was associated with a lower risk of Parkinson's disease among both
0: men and women. Finally, Warmer weather appears to be associated with worse cognitive functioning among individuals with multiple sclerosis, according to investigators at the Kessler Foundation in West Orange, New Jersey. Prior studies have linked warmer weather to increased disease activity and lesions in patients with MS. In this trial, cognitive functioning was evaluated in 40 individuals with MS and 40 matched healthy controls using both neuropsychological tests and high-resolution MRI. The daily temperature was recorded each day testing was performed. Investigators found that patients with MS scored 70% better in cognitive testing on cooler days as compared to warmer days. No link was found between cognitive test scores and temperature for individuals without MS. Researchers said these findings have implications for clinical treatment, as fluctuations in cognitive status may predict otherwise dormant exacerbations. Further, Awareness of heat-related cognitive decline may be useful for patients and future researchers should consider the cognitive impact of temperature when planning clinical trials. This conference coverage from this year's annual meeting of the American Academy of Neurology, held from April 9th to the 16th, 2011 in Honolulu, has been a presentation of ReachMD on XM Satellite Radio and by livestream at reachmd.com and powered by Health Day.